there are good nuggets in this book. There are absolutely good nuggets. Ancient dragon turtle. Fuck yeah. Uh, wait till we get to topaz dragons. I love them. Topaz dragons are dope, though, actually. Oh, they're amazing. They're amazing. Yeah. I love them. <laughs> okay. All right. Fine. All right. Cool. We found something we could look forward to. <laughs> Live for the Mundangerous Multiversal Horde in New York City, I'm your host, Shane. And I'm your host, Yishin. And welcome to episode 290 of Total Party Thrill, a podcast for game masters and players where we discuss our campaigns in order to inspire yours. In this episode, we're reviewing the newest release for 5th edition Dungeons & Dragons, Fizzband's Treasury of Dragons. We'll walk you through it cover to cover and let you know whether it's worth adding to your horde. As per usual with these 5th edition book reviews, uh, we will be suspending the Gates of Morning campaign recap as well as the Character Creation Forge. Uh, those will be back next week. What is not taking the week off is our bonus content. Brand new. Uh, this is the second one in a row. It's Plot Hook of the Week. Uh, remember, listen to it. Let us know uh, if you're into it and uh, other things that you might be interested in for weekly bonus content. Oh, and we are utterly incapable of using Patreon correctly, so we've had a requests for a Patreon RSS feed so you can load it into your podcatchers instead of having to watch it out on the website. Uh, working on that, not sure how to do it, we'll figure it out and report back. Uh, you'll probably yeah. get a post in Patreon when we figure it out. Totally. Uh, we know that's possible because I use it for other shows, <laughs> I just don't know how to set it up for my own. Totally coming. So you can check all that out at patreon.com slash totalpartythrill. All right, let's dive in because there's a lot to say about this book, Fizzband's Treasury of Dragons, the latest source book for from Wizards of the Coast for 5th edition D&D. Like Mordenkainen's Tome of Foes, it presents new character options, including two subclasses and three new types of dragonborn, and then follows up with stat blocks for new monsters. There's like some interstitial pages in between there too. Yeah, we'll talk about whether those are useful. <laughs> right, there's 224 pages uh, a quarter of that is the the bestiary, which is you know all the new monster stat blocks. Two twenty four um, is pretty thick for a D and D book these days. It feels it feels like a slightly bigger book than I was expecting, <laughs> um, and yet sometimes it feels like you're left wanting more in certain sections. Uh huh. Yeah, and and less in others. There are seven spells. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Let's start with the cover. Cool, cool. The very first word on it, fizzban. Mm -hmm. What the heck is a fizzban? What? Uh, I think it's probably there's some sort of uh, anagram in there somewhere. Fizzban is Fizzban the Fabulous, a doddering old archmage from the Dragonlance novels who hung out with Tasselhoff the Kender, so you know he's not a good person. Uh, fizzban is an anagram of Nazbiff. Um, yes, N Nazbiff, uh, Gary Gygax's old buddy. <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> so um, Fizzban was extremely forgetful. Often he would set his hat on fire. Um, in what I fully expect was probably a retcon from the novels, he eventually reveals himself to be an avatar of Paladine, um, which later gets turned into you know other no novels and versions of D&D &D into Bahamut, the originator and god of good dragons. Yeah, this... Um... <laughs> so we were talking about this with, uh, with our friends who... Um, love Dragonlance. Love Dragonlance. Named their cats after Paladine and Takesis. Mm -hmm. uh, 
which are words from Dragonlance that I don't know. Uh, <laughs> and when you explain, like when you floated this theory, they kind of had like a long think on it. And I sat here going, wait a minute. If Fizban was like the idiot, then why was he an avatar of, of Paladine slash Bahamut? Like, wh- wh- why was what was that cover? Okay, <laughs> like, so like my, my red string theory, Weiss and Hickman put this character in their novel and then realized later that he was a terrible character who sucked and then later had to give a reason why he existed there and like why everything he did wasn't dumb uh and then uh, no it, he wasn't uh just uh someone we pulled out of our asses uh for you know jokes i guess he was there for a reason the entire time <laughs> uh, okay <laughs> all right whatever they fine maybe but anyway, this is the first 5e book name for a Dragonlance character. I'm just glad they didn't name it after the Kender. Yeah, I, I don't know if this was the big, like, reveal that got, like, you know, teased on Twitter a while ago between Margaret Weiss and, and Wizards, but uh, whatever. Great. Okay. They got the name Fizban in there. That means nothing to me. Uh, I, I care about what's in the book. Well, in keeping with the previous books, uh, Fizban has marginalia. He's got commentary, like pretty much every one of the other characters like Tasha and Volo and Mordenkainen, et cetera, the commentary is pretty sardonic, um, a little bit cynical. Uh, but Fizban is also, also like wacky, I guess. Um, he talks a lot about pastries and like, for me, he really quickly goes from comic relief to extremely annoying. Uh, and that is like, that's even by 5e book standards, whereby I think we have disliked every single one of these. I can't remember <laughs> one of them being a I, net positive, though I can remember yeah. a couple bright spots. I didn't hate uh, Volo. Yeah. Uh, well, hey, retrospectively, Volo's coming out <laughs> shining. I also found this to, to wear very thin, to be very useless filler, uh, to be frustrating given that some, some stuff that was missing that would have been very useful in those places. Fizban feels to me like the old school kind of player where they bring someone to the table and they just cannot take the game seriously. And you're like, I'm trying to build a tone here. And I just like did a big reveal of a red dragon. They're like, oh, I ask if he has pastries. (laughs) Uh, And this happens every time because apparently you're an avatar of a god and can't get eaten. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Other things on the cover, though, Ishin, uh, artwork. So there are two covers, just like most D&D books. The standard cover is a red and crystal dragon fighting in flight by Chris Ron. Um, This is, I mean, the layout is is pretty standard. You get like a cool sort of like first person view down the gullet of a crystal dragon, which is about to like breathe radiant breath uh, on you. And then, you know, you're sort of behind the red and you're over mountains. Um, it's, It's a nice scene. Yeah, then the the special edition cover, the one that's available in like game stores, not on Amazon. Um, it, it's kind of a an alternate take on the same scene, right? It's a crystal dragon and a red dragon, kind of um, wrapped around each other, breathing fire or uh, breathing breath weapons, I guess, on each other. Um, that one is by Anato Finstark. Uh, notably, I think this is it's not the first book, but it is, I think, the first of these sort of like player gm supplement books that doesn't have the hydro 74 style cover right like this this is the first departure from that um oh i guess eberron maybe Um, i mean you have all of the special covers of the 5e books like how does it look on a shelf next to the others 
Uh, well, I've run out of shelf space. Usually. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, the spine, I guess I could take a look at it right now. Doesn't match. Um, it just doesn't have the same iconography surrounding the, the name of it. So yeah, it's, it's a departure. I, I don't know. Cause you dropped off, uh, several special editions at the same time. So like everything from Van Richten's and newer, um, has a similar art style on the cover to this less like the Hydro 74. So it, yeah, maybe that's just a shift that they're making in the line. That's obviously their choice. It just, yeah, it was a little surprising to me that this is in that like person's guide to something series, but it doesn't seem to match the series. So, mm-hmm. but like take it, it on its own, it's a nice looking cover. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The cover is yeah. fine. I actually like the original cover better than the alt, the alt- alternate cover, but you know, to each his own. Support your local game store. It kicks off even before chapter one, with a poem, Elegy for the First World, which introduces a new creation myth for dragons. The first thing I noticed um, is that this poem is a bad poem. It Okay, it, poems definitely don't have to rhyme, but it, like it doesn't rhyme. Uh, there's no meter to speak of. Um, well, it's translated from the original Draconic. Come on. Yeah, but you know, uh, Beowulf was also translated. Seamus Heaney did a great job of making it sound lyrical in English. You know, like you you, <laughs> okay. can, you got some stuff to work with. <laughs> and also, this was not written in Draconic originally. <laughs> so you could just make it sound okay. You're not wrong. The gist of this poem is that there was a first world of creation inhabited by only dragons. And then later it was invaded by humanoids and their gods from the outer plains. And then it was destroyed in some cataclysm, and now every world in the multiverse splinters from that original first destroyed world, which, if you're following along, rewrites the backstories to every D&D setting ever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> Universal string theory of it doesn't work anymore. Uh, it also recasts Tiamat in in like this maybe like uh, wounded hero role where she and Bahamut are standing together against this invasion and then she is trapped and he is like laid low, but then he ends up waking up and working with the usurpers and Tiamat's like, what are you doing? We're supposed to kill these people. And now, now I guess she's evil forever or whatever, you know? <laughs> sure. Yeah. <laughs> I guess I'm just like, so this exists because it, it it sort of flows out throughout the lore of the rest of the book, which we'll get into. But I'm just like reading this. I'm like, where does this lore fit into the existing worlds, the homebrew worlds that are all out there, the the games that have been played for decades now where like none of this existed? Yeah. I mean, Well, I mean, you know, it's like anything, right? It's a take it or leave it. Um, but I think that's a fair point. Like probably a lot of leave it uh, mm-hmm. for a lot of different worlds. Begs the question, why is it in here? Why is it taking up seven pages? Right, right. Uh, it also introduces the concept of dragon sight, which, as far as I can tell, is a totally new term. Um, hasn't been used for dragon abilities in like in this meaning. It's pre- previously, it's meant like, you know, blind sight and tremor sense. Now it means a kind of multiversal awareness. Um, it's cited through all of the lore in this entire book. Um, dragons are like intrinsically tied to the material plane here. And on every world, dragons have echoes of each other. There's an alternate reality version of every dragon in every universe and on every material world plane. And they can interact with each other. They can consume each other's essences and grow more powerful. I mean, it's it's that Jet Li movie, the one. 
<laughs> it's such a it, it doesn't have to be here <laughs> you didn't have to do that dragons are cool on their own <laughs> it makes and, them less uh, cool less cool that, like that they're uh, no longer unique this is like read my fanfic crap <laughs> okay whatever it's fine cool. you can easily right. ignore the first seven pages let's talk about what we're really here for is character creation chapter <laughs> one there are three new types of dragonborn one for each type of dragon chromatic metallic and the new gem dragons which you find in this book they're not technically sub races um they probably could have been written that way but they're essentially the, the write-ups are three different races uh, and each one uses the new stat boost from tasha's you get to assign where you put your bonuses you're not stuck with strength and charisma anymore so plus two to one plus one to another totally up to you instantly making dragonborn more playable oh my god right <laughs> but that's about it let's not mince words these are much much better than stock dragonborn but that's really easy to do yeah, exactly. Like, Stock Dragonborn were bad. Uh, these are also bad, but just not as bad. So if you want to play better Dragonborn, great. And I don't think these compare unfavorably with your other middle-of-the-road races strength-wise. Like, you know, they're fine. They're certainly no half-elf. So each one gets a resistance and a breath weapon damage type associated with the particular dragon that is in your ancestry. Uh, and now, instead of taking an entire action to use your breath weapon, it replaces a single attack. Uh, however, they are still constitution-based, which sucks, but your damage is much better. It's a d10, and it scales like a cantrip, and you can use it prof proficiency bonus times per day. So you can, if you want, just, like, breathe multiple times in a single round, like, you know, Nova, and then not be able to do it the rest of the day. So the Chromatic Dragonborn uh, gets a breath weapon in a 30-foot line. Um which requires a deck save for half damage. Uh, and then at fifth level, you gain the ability once per day to become immune to the damage type associated with your breath weapon for one minute. Which, like, I like, you know. Um, damage immunity is hard to come by, although becoming easier and easier every time there's a new book. Uh, gem dragons, same as the others, there are five different types, and each one has a damage type associated. Amethyst dragons are force. Crystal dragons are radiant. Emerald dragons are psychic. Sapphire dragons are thunder. Topaz dragons are necrotic. So there is that um, that like uh, power gamer selection of your dragon type to figure out like what resistance and what damage do you want. So like Topaz dragon, it sucks to have a necrotic breath weapon, but it also is great to have necrotic resistance. True, uh, but everybody knows that the single best uh, dragon of all is the Amethyst, not least of which because it's purple, but also because force damage, so <laughs> GG. <laughs> um, the gem dragons have the 15-foot cone breath weapon, again, a deck save for half damage. Uh, they get the ability to speak telepathically, and then at fifth level, uh, once per day, they can fly for a minute. Uh, they uh, there's a lot of spectral wings in this in this in book. The, yeah, uh, and this yeah. is a, this is the very first of them. It will keep coming. <laughs> um, I mean, it's not a bad ability once per day flying for a minute. Like you played um, mechanically an Asimar uh, in the lore half fay who had uh, dragonfly wings, right? And I think you you use them a lot. Yeah, no, no, no. It's a good ability. That's a really good ability. Don't get me wrong. Like I, I think that's. That's actually really great. It's one of those things where his it might be too powerful, like throwing <laughs> out flight like that, right? Like it, it's and at fifth level, 
uh, I can mess with the GM, you know, that's you know, third uh, level spells are, you know, you're, you're getting that for free every single day. That's any encounter that you could just completely throw a loop for. So, I, I mean, it's, it's definitely good. I mean, it's no high elf taking booming blade, but <laughs> all right. And then the metallic dragons, uh, your breath weapon is a 15 foot cone decks for half. And at fifth level, you get additional breath weapon options, although you can only use it once per day. So you get your once per day, you get your choice of these two options. One is a con save versus incapacitated in a 15-foot cone, which is powerful, uh, or a strength save versus a 20-foot push and prone, which is like, who cares? <laughs> why are you not using the incapacitation breath? Yeah, why Why would I Why would I knock you prone when I can knock you out Yeah, and auto-crit everyone? Like, what? Hypnotic pattern, you know, out of my mouth. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Ishan, do you remember when this edition was like going to get rid of save or suck spells? And then they uh, added one to a core race? <laughs> I, look, I, I remember when they were going to do that. I think that was 2013 in the mm-hmm, playtest. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Right. Now Psychic Scream exists. All right. Uh, moving on. So those are fine. Moving on. Subclasses. We get two of them, and we get them for two underperforming base classes. So, of course... If you have an underperforming base class and you're going to add a new subclass to it, you're going to make that subclass really, really strong, right? Uh, I mean, sure. Sure. That's a good idea. <laughs> right. They did not do that here. Okay. Well, uh, they didn't do it to the monk. No, <laughs> no they didn't. <laughs> Monks, I guess, just don't aren't allowed to have good things. Uh, so it's Way of the Ascendant Dragon. You're a monk who is inspired by dragons or adopts a fighting style from a dragon or you know totally up to you um, you're an elemental monk though you're not, uh, yeah, not, nothing about this is draconic it's just elemental so at third level you get a uh, draconic presence which is it sounds really cool but it's really bad <laughs> so, <laughs> so anytime you make an intimidation or persuasion check if you fail it you get to re-roll it that's awesome, except that once you succeed using it, uh, you lose it. You lose the ability until you take a long rest. So really, this is like one time per day, succeed on one of these checks, and you don't even get to decide when. Like, just give me advantage. <laughs> <laughs> but your unarmed strike can do acid, cold, fire, lightning, or poison, and you get to decide every time you deal damage. Yeah, in a in a very awkwardly worded ability, you also learn Draconic or any other language, your choice. <laughs> uh, and then I don't think it's necessary. I don't think it's maybe it's specifically Dragon Breath. This book does a thing where like everybody everybody gets a Dragon Breath ability, but it's not always called Breath. It doesn't always come out of your mouth. Some some people just sort of like manifest a wave of energy from somewhere or whatever. So mm-hmm. forgive yeah, me if this you- isn't actually a Dragon Breath. <laughs> It's called Breath of the Dragon. Okay. But you just channel waves of energy. Okay, cool. So it's a, it's a Kamehameha. I'll take it. Uh, you can replace one of your attacks with a 20-foot cone or 30-foot line of damage, one of the above types. It's totally up to you. It deals two times your martial arts die in damage, deck save for half, and eventually scales to three times or four times your martial arts die. You can use a proficiency bonus times per day, or you can spend two key points to use it. This is, this is not a lot of damage. It's not a lot of damage, but it is interesting. And, and I, mean, I think like base, this is an interesting mechanic of scaling multiple times your martial arts die, right? Like that obviously grows exponentially 
it, it this isn't enough damage uh to frankly ever be useful but like that is to me an interesting concept of like okay cool so like we can multiply this right and that basically makes it the equivalent of multiple attacks uh you lose the the static mod and you can't crit so obviously it's just worse but you know is what it is i do like that you can nova right because as a monk you get a ton of attacks sort of baseline so if you want to burn all of your key you can just replace every attack with something that does you know three to four times your martial arts die damage rather than one right but you you can't crit yeah so <laughs> yeah i know, you know. Okay, then at 6th level, uh, another use of those Spectral Wings, when you use your Step of the Wind ability, uh, you can gain a fly speed until the end of turn. Uh, I, hate, you, I hate this so much. I hate it, I hate it, I hate it. <laughs> they're, they're, you, know, you know dragons that fly one round at a time? <laughs> Proficiency <laughs> nope, bonus no. times per day? Not even an entire round, until the end of that turn, right? Well, sure. So, <laughs> also, it's when you use your Step of the Wind, which requires a key point to use, and then lets you uh, dash or disengage or like jump farther, which like, okay, that either means I'm burning a key point and not using that ability because it's not useful right now. What I need to do is fly uh, or or I can't use it at all because I don't have a key point that I either have available or that I want to waste on this because I didn't get more key points from taking this. I just have more things competing for my key points. All right. Then at level 11, you get Aspect of the Worm at... Uh you can gain a 10 foot aura uh for one minute as a bonus action and for the duration you gain uh your choice of frightful presence which is basically a bonus action each round to frighten a creature on a wisdom save or you can grant damage resistance for yourself and allies uh within your aura uh to a chosen uh element type which is why you're you're always going to be granting damage resistance. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, then at 17, you can uh, use you can spend a key point to turn that breath weapon into a 60 foot cone or a 90 foot line, which is nice. Um, you'll get 10 feet of blind sight, which is good, and then your aura will deal 3d10 damage uh, to creatures that you choose. But note that Dex just straight up negates. So, no half damage on your aura. And that's it. That's the Ascendant Monk, and it is right in line with a lot of other monks' old classes. Now the Ranger, the other underperforming class. And I'm surprised you hate this one, because... Uh, no, I don't. I don't hate it. Okay. Okay, But good. it's not as powerful as it should be. Well, fine, but it's <laughs> fun, and that should count for something. I agree, it's fun. It's a Beastmaster with a Dragon Companion. A Drake Companion? That's totally yes. different. Uh, yeah, uh, fair, fair. So at third level, you get Thaumaturgy. Cool. But, and here's here's my issue with it. You don't get any other bonus spells. And all of the good ranger subclasses that try to fix the base ranger class, like Gloomstalker, etc., give you a bunch of extra bonus spells because ranger spellcasting is screwed up and is significantly hampered for no good reason. Okay. Um, yeah. Other than that, I really like this subclass. Uh, that's a that is a more than fair critique. But you get a Drake companion, Ishan. Yeah, yeah. I mean, give my Drake companion some spells, and I'll be happy. <laughs> uh, th th this companion it, it has its own stat block. It follows all the rules for action economy that came from Tasha's. It has the scaling of the uh, uh, abilities, uh. the way that you need them to. That's laid out. So this is this is using the new rules correctly. 
each time you summon it, uh, you grant it immunity to a damage type, and then it deals additional elemental damage of that type when it hits. So you summon, theoretically, a multi-chromatic drake, I guess. <laughs> um, and, you know, it's a nice companion, especially at those low levels. Um, and then most of your abilities, no, all of your abilities are going to be improving the drake and your connection to the, the drake. So at 7th level, it gains a fly speed and grows to medium size, and then deals an additional d6 damage uh, on each attack. And gives you resistance as well. Um, you can use it as a mount if you are uh, medium or smaller, but at this point, it cannot fly while mounted, while you are mounted. Right. Um, but that is, uh, I, I mean, honestly, that's one of those things that everybody always wants to do with the ranger is ride your companion into combat. Mm -hmm. So, mm -hmm. like, at least they put this one right on the tin. Now you don't have to be a no more halfling and a, you know, a large war a dog. A large dog. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right, at 11th level, once per day, you or the drake uses a breath weapon. It's a 30-foot cone and deals fireball damage, which is nice damage. Uh, my issue, though, is it's less than half the area of a fireball. A 30-foot cone, I think, is 21 squares on a grid, and a fireball is like 54, I think? 52? One of those. Yeah, I mean, counter-argument, a 30-foot cone is way easier to maneuver than a fireball. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's true. Around your allies, that's not. And also, like you, you can just shoot it into walls and not worry about it. It's not, you know. <laughs> uh, of course, once you use it one time, it takes a third level spell slot to cast again. Now, this seems fair, right? Because fireball is a third level spell, but you are a ranger, right? And therefore, you have basically no third level slots. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's uh, it's it's going to be cool when you use it, but it's going to be the only cool thing you do that day. Um, and then at level 15, we once again improve in the scaling on the drake, so it will become large, uh, it is able to fly when it is being used as a mount if you're a medium creature, um, and then it deals an additional d6 damage on its bite attack. And then as a reaction, um, you can give yourself or the drake resistance to damage from an attack, proficiency bonus times per day. Isn't that like from a feat? Isn't that like one of the mounted, the like mounted, mounted combatant, combatant feet or that That is direct damage from your mount to you. Ah, uh, okay. Or attack. I think it's like redirecting attack that hits your mount to you. Um, Got it. This seems better. So I, I like this, right? Like it, it sets out to be like, let's make it so people can ride a drake. And it exactly does that, right? It's not like the Beastmaster where it's like, let's set out to give people an animal companion and it results in let's kill animals all day long. All day long, yes. <laughs> it also comes with a very cute, is tough to say, but it is kind of cute art of a dragonborn uh, a drake warden like hugging a drake companion that is trying to lick its face uh, and it, it's 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 very scaly but it is very funny it, yeah scaly in several ways so i'm sure lots of different people will like this <laughs> yeah <laughs> all right and then we get feats i mean we get three feats one for each of the types of dragons they have niche uses they're not great feats yeah uh <laughs> the chromatic dragon lets you deal a little bit of additional elemental damage uh, once per day for a minute. And then you also get reactive resistance, which is like uh, an absorb elements without the bonus damage on the back end. So just grant yourself resistance whenever you take uh, one of the five elemental damage types. Right, once per day. 
Gem Dragon is increased intelligence, wisdom, or charisma by one. So already you know this is a half feat. Uh, and then you can deal some damage to creatures that damage you as a reaction. Proficiency bonus times per day. And then Metallic Dragons. When you think of Metallic Dragons, of course I know the first thing you think of is healing. Mm-hmm. Right. right. They're clerics. They're clerics all of them they're all <laughs> every that's single one clerics do they or, heal or bards uh or uh artificers uh-huh so yeah i don't know that i've ever thought of a dragon casting cure wounds on anything other than itself uh but here we are using draconic healing which teaches you the cure wounds spell congratulations great and then you got protective wings uh which are like um the duelist feat but you can use it on allies to increase their ac against an attack and make it miss um, I have never thought about a dragon using cure wounds, even on itself. I think of a dragon eating a potion from its horde. That's like yeah, glass I, and all. I, I, uh, I that that one just. I mean, it's bad. Like, don't get me wrong; these feats are all not great. But like, right. that one doesn't even feel like it's on theme. You know, like mm -hmm. the gem dragon telekinetic reprisal. Okay, fine. It's like they're all like psychic. It fine. Uh. <sighs> I mean, this this begins uh, a theme of the metallic dragon just sort of getting stuck with the healing because I guess they couldn't think of what to give metallic dragons <laughs> when like they're yeah. supposed to be the the strongest, toughest, and best of all dragon kinds. So like, give them the good thing. So chromatic dragons are the evil elemental. Metallic dragons are the good elemental. They're still elemental. There's no distinction here. Like, there's no evil and good distinction here. It's just one is elemental, the other is healing. <laughs> like. Mm -hmm. you missed the mark mm -hmm. okay chapter two <laughs> dragon <laughs> magic like you said there's seven spells um let's call out a few of these though and the first one i want to call out is a shardalon stride and it makes me angry but it makes like you but it's a, a shout out to our boy a shardalon i know i know and it's supposed to be super cool a shardalon actually gets a lot of lore in this book and i was like really all right i dig that i'm into it he ate his echoes cool screwed up our campaign <laughs> no it it made our campaign perfect because it was like sunless citadel is a, a location that exists across the multiverse and i was like <laughs> yeah it does <laughs> uh, okay here's the thing about a shardalon stride it's a third level spell um it increases your speed by 20 feet you can move without provoking opportunity attacks and like you leave a trail of heat that damages people all right fine whatever um it's third level why does this exist when haste exists it's third level and it's concentration. <laughs> <laughs> okay, and then to to add insult to injury, on the next page there's an image, and no no like fault to the artist. I'm sure like you didn't caption this right, but it's it's a red dragon that casts this spell on itself. Like, why does a red dragon need more fire damage? It doesn't. Uh, why is a red dragon walking anywhere? Uh, it doesn't need to. Um. And why is this red dragon not casting haste on itself? <laughs> it doesn't want to be tired afterwards. <laughs> oh, it doesn't want it doesn't want the whole city to be destroyed. <laughs> anyway, don't don't take that spell. Yeah, any of these you do want to call out cuz I mean, so draconic transformation I think is flavorful. 7th level concentration for a minute gives you a breath weapon wings and blindsight, but I'm looking for the thing that turns me into a dragon. <laughs> yeah. You know, and like, give me, give it to me before shapeshift and make it only a dragon or shape change, whatever. I guess this is as good a time of any to talk about this. There at no point in this book, is it going to allow you to become a dragon? 
Yeah. Right. There is not going to be a rule in here by which you get to be a dragon, play a dragon, become a dragon, become a half mm-hmm. dragon, mm-hmm. do any of the stuff that like, you know, all of those iconic, the, the reason prestige classes existed in third edition, you know, uh, was basically to justify how you become a freaking dragon in the game called Dungeons and Dragons. And you're not going to find it here. It's not possible. Uh, this spell is as close as you get and it sucks. Um, I, I, I don't understand. I just genuinely like do not understand. This is greatest hits edition. It was like the most popular. It was the reason prestige classes existed was to right. become a dragon. Why aren't we doing that? The very first supplement for third edition let you become a dragon. This is the dragon book. Where is the becoming a dragon? Right. Where's, why become where's a powerful dra- wizard if you don't get to become a dragon? <laughs> where's the dragon disciple? Like, why is that not in here? And and here's the thing. Here's the thing. Will there be more books in 5e? Sure. But this one is called Treasury of Dragons. You had one shot. Yeah, exactly. One opportunity. <laughs> Were you going to seize this moment or just let it slip? <laughs> and here we are. And, okay, there's nothing that turns you into a dragon. Uh, there's... There's no Council of Worms. Like, Council of Worms is mentioned, but there's no actual information about Still it. Still don't know what it is. <laughs> <laughs> that I mean, that's what I... I opened this book being like, oh, yeah, give me Council of Worms, Dragon PCs, let's do this. Nothing. Uh, I'm just going to skip ahead just a tiny bit. You know, the section on dragon characters doesn't include information about playing dragons as a PC. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Anyway, you yeah. There's a lot of things in here you come away being like, that's not what I was looking for. Uh, but this is the spell section. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> and so you triggered me, but that's okay. <laughs> Fizzband's Platinum Shield is not a great spell, but I just want to call it out because it does grant evasion. And I don't think there's any other spell or even really like effect that does that except like the Ring of Evasion. So neat. Uh, there's also Raul. Raul of them. I think Rowlathem's psychic lance. Uh, uh, yeah, it's a direct damage enchantment, which is cool. Yeah, I, I mean that's notable mostly because enchantment does not get direct damage, right? So as a as an enchanter, you now have a way to reach out and touch somebody within your actual like spell school. Um, it also incapacitates, and this is a really cool like ribbon thing about this spell that I like, and I'd like to see more of. You can target it. So it's, it's a single target spell, but you can target someone if you speak their name aloud, even if you can't see them as long as they're in range. And it's got 120 foot range. So like you're chasing someone, they go invisible. That's fine. I'll still zap your brain. I like this, but it, that also makes it like really useful for like nameless mobs, right? <laughs> or, sorry, really useless for <laughs> useless, nameless mobs. Yeah. yeah, it's like, okay, chase down that orc. What's his name? How the heck do I know he's an orc? <laughs> like, <laughs> uh, I, do, I do love the idea of like a character taking this and being like, um, I'm going to get to know them before we attack the guards. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> in, a, in a world where uh, Raulathim's psychic lance exists, <laughs> no guards wear name tags. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and then there's like, you know, there's just fun opportunities with like, what counts as a name? You know, you know what I mean? Yeah, oh, right. I, I, I heard everyone over there, um, you know, calling him Knuckles. Like... <laughs> Yeah, like who who needs to know? Like, like who do you need to convince of who the target is? You know, is right. it like is it you? Is it like the, I don't know, Raulotham, Raulotham? Like, I, is it you know the the greater magic bearing universe itself? Like, who who adjudicates this? Like, oh, that's the name. That's is it the true name? Like, what what are we doing? 
I think it doesn't work like this, but I would love to see a scene where like it's the crowded bazaar and you're chasing like the the thief and you know who the thief is, but you you can't find them and you're just like, yo, Marcus, and like just like they keel over with with a headshot. <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh, I got I, him. I got I, him. I, I thought that was gonna go like, yo, Marcus, and four people fall Correct. over. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm out of spells. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> The GM cast attacks. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And then there's also summon draconic spirit, which if you're a summoner, lets you summon a dragon, just like you can summon an elemental and a fiend and all that. Uh, interesting, though, a dragon with no CR. It's just a stat block, right? Yeah, yeah. It's just a stat block for a draconic spirit, but it's a stat block with no CR. You get nothing for fighting it is what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Yeah. <laughs> Uh, then the next part of the section is magic items. So there's a very small number of ha- of magic items here, but one of them is called the Dragon Lance. So eh? there's that. <laughs> um, yeah, it's legendary. Go figure. It's plus three, deals three d six force damage, an additional three d six force damage to dragons. And when you hit, it's like a commander strike for dragons. Like every dragon in the area that you choose can make an attack as a reaction. So like, cool. Um, I like the dragon hide belt. For once, a monk gets a good thing. It increases your monk DCs by rarity. So plus one, plus two, plus three, um, which monks desperately need because they're so like multiple ability dependent. It is hard to get your wisdom high enough to make your DC any good. And even if you did max wisdom, like I've seen some monks do, it, it is great to finally have something that makes it harder to resist your stunning strike, which is all, what you do all day. I, I realize that this book has a monk subclass in it that is loosely associated with dragons but could you please explain to me how dragons notable charisma casters create belts that improve your wisdom i'm unsure dragon items often ends up end up in in making monks better there's insignia of claws in i think rise of tiamat don't quote me on that uh that is supposed to make like dragons better at attacking but it's just it's like attacking with a natural weapon natural uh, that's right yeah Yeah. but like it works for monk fists so yeah um, and you can regain some key points um, once per day. Like you roll your martial arts die and you get that many key points back, which like is great because I don't really know of any other abilities that let you get key points back except for your monk capstone, which is garbage. Yeah, no, I, I look, great item for monks. Definitely a uh, a class that is under-supported with magic items. I, I don't have any complaints about what it does. I, I just think thematically like i don't see it like its only connection to dragons is that it happens to be in a book that has a dragon themed monk subclass <laughs> like and you know that, wouldn't your dragon mentor get mad that like you're wearing the skin of his people <laughs> i yeah i mean you know imitation is a serious form of flattery that's why I, I wear the aspect of the dragon every day that's right that's why i cut your face off and i wear your face <laughs> it's flattery <laughs> right there's also the gold canary figurine of of uh, wondrous power, uh, which if you know about Bahamut, one of his incarnations is a you know a human walking around with seven golden canaries, which are actually polymorphed gold dragons. So this is cool. It can turn into a gold canary. It can also turn into a gold dragon. That's cool. Just summon Charizard and move on with your life. Uh, and they don't move on with their lives. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> The Ruby Weave Gem, once per day, you get to pick a spell from any class, and then you know that spell. It's a great way to get Wish. This is, why would you pick anything but Wish? <laughs> if it's you a have legendary item, so yeah, I mean, <laughs> yeah. Why, why wouldn't you? A lot of legendaries in here. 
lot of legendaries. And here's my here's my problem with legendaries is they need to be worth it, and they're almost never worth it. Yeah. Is it is the Topaz Annihilator legendary? It is. It's garbage. <laughs> it's notable because it's a firearm, and that's cool, and like it comes with its own ammunition, but like it doesn't do like it just does a flat amount of damage, like a cantrip, but it doesn't do cantrip damage. Really, it and like if it reduces something to zero, it turns it to dust. This thing is actually best. It's actually it, worse. It's this thing is only good for digging holes. Okay, <laughs> it's I I shoot the ground. Okay, you deal damage to it. I keep shooting it until it turns to dust, and then I keep moving on. Like that's this is all this is good for. Two d six damage per shot is is crap. Right. <laughs> that's uh yeah uh there's there's a handful of other items it's not a ton it's i don't know a dozen and then it goes into horde items which are a new type of magic item that are i don't know templates i guess like they're they're not specific they're not thematic they're just sort of like archetypal and it's basically like a weapon a focus and a vessel uh, or, a one, or a wondrous item uh, yeah. or yeah an, an ornament so it's like cool theme it however you want to the, the the idea is that these items spent time in a dragon's horde they absorbed magic from the horde they became more magical as a result um but then they also lose their magic uh pretty rapidly <laughs> like over the course of 30 days they degrade um and so like you know, over time they like grow to be legendary in power, but then within uh, a quarter, <laughs> within four months, they're not magical anymore. Yeah, I mean, it, yeah, it, you need to keep them attuned in order to prevent that from happening. The mechanics are: if it's if an item spends long enough in a horde, then it increases in power, basically up to the level of the dragon whose horde it was in. Right. So a young adult dragon's horde adds a little bit of extra magic and an ancient dragon's horde adds a bunch of extra magic um so for example um if you've got uh, a weapon then depending on the strength of the dragon's horde it was in it gets either between a plus one and a plus three um enchantment it'll do between plus one d6 and plus three d6 damage on attack and then gives you a breath weapon use once per day like it's pretty bog standard up to plus three weapon yeah, and it's also, like, one thing that wasn't clear when I read it, I mean, I, I get the intent from intuiting it, but, like, is this a template that's meant to be applied to an existing magical item? I believe so, yeah. Oh, okay, so that could then become a plus six item, potentially? Oh, no, and that, no, I think, I don't think they stack like that. Um, I, so... I think it could go on to, well, I mean, there are, it doesn't say, say specifically, right? I mean, I certainly wouldn't let it go to a plus six. I, I, I right. would say like it, it would map over something like um, the abilities of, I'm trying to think of something that doesn't do that additional damage, you know, but like an oath bow, you know what I mean? Uh, Vorpal um, sword. Yeah, exactly. Right. Um, you know, <laughs> I might map it on top of that or, or you could just stick it on normal, uh, like a plain sword. Uh, yeah, yeah, right. Which, which is which is fine, right? Like templating these things out to add them to things, like you know, uh, fine. I don't have any problem with this. I, it's kind of a cool concept. The problem is, 
it desperately needs a sidebar that explains how to use these as the GM in your game, mm-hmm. right? And like just quick mechanically, not mixed flavor text nonsense, but just like, hey, you want to introduce this. Here's how you do it, right? Here's why you would do it instead of just using a normal magic item, right? And instead, we get Fizban making a stupid comment about adventurers and their toys, you know, and it's like, hey, in that little that little box that you just wrote some like fake text in that could have just been like the signpost for GMs of how to use this freaking section that you just clearly omitted whether or not the base item is supposed to be magic or not. And if it's supposed to stack or not, <laughs> like figure it out. OK, well, that's your job book. I mean, I wouldn't even mind it if Fizban was ever funny, but he never <laughs> is. <laughs> uh, so the spellcasting focus item will give you advantage on initiative eventually some additional spells and eventually will let you upcast one spell uh, to ninth level uh, the vessel makes consumables of varying levels eventually like you know high-end healing potions uh, and the ornament the ornament is nice it'll make you immune to charm and frighten you'll get a damage absorption ability eventually and then uh, at the end you'll get a fly speed uh, then the next section of this is Draconic Gifts. Draconic Gifts? Uh, sorry, it's pronounced GIFs. Uh, right. Dr- Draconic, Draconic GIFs. Draconic GIFs. <laughs> you can buy them now as NFTs. It uh, costs so you a are... whole hoard. You get to tell people it was a gift. I mean, it starts with a few copper pieces. Eventually, it costs a whole hoard. <laughs> um, so these are the dragon versions of Supernatural Gifts, etc., um the rarity corresponds with the age of the dragon that bestowed it whether or not that was willing you know you might end up with a gift from like slaying a dragon or a pa- you have a dragon patron or whatever um they range from like you know being able to cast fine familiar all the way up to resistance permanent resistance to bludgeoning and piercing damage this i think is one of the drawbacks we have a fifth edition having a relatively small design space is that so many of these abilities overlap with others. Like, what is what is the coolest thing that a barbarian could get from slaying a dragon? It would be, like, this this ability from the item that gives you the damage resistance. Like, that would be the flavorful one to give the barbarian, but it's useless for the barbarian. Right, because he already has a resistance. Yeah. Um, it, it also, to me, really highlights a... Uh, just a... <sighs> endemic issue with these books which is that like yeah these are very flavorful but there are six options here right like yeah the horde items that's cool there are four options there um the magic items there's whatever you know like 10 options there um if you tried to make this thematic in an adventure i sure hope your party isn't six players yeah (laughs) Right, because otherwise you guys are doubling up on the like you're cool like these these seem like they're written for an adventurer, not mm-hmm. all of the adventurers in your party, right? And it, it's like it's one of those things where it's like they crammed too much into this book. They didn't develop any of it enough to actually be usable widely. It's shelfware. It's half a half a dungeon master's guild supplement. <laughs> it's. You're you're going back to the other you're you're going back to the other supernatural gifts and you're reflavoring them to fit a dragon now. Now you get to do the work. We inspired you to go do the work. I, like what did I pay for in this? 
I mean, I paid for nothing to be clear. Was just send us the book, uh, right? But like, right. if I hope, you buy, I this hope book, they keep right. I hope they keep sending us books so we can review them after this. Uh, well, they should write better books. You're not wrong. Uh, this is we're gonna keep coming back to this throughout this book. It feels like oh, here's a cool section. This is gonna be great, and you turn the page and it's over. Yep. All right, chapter three, dragons in play. Uh, it kicks off with uh, a section on role playing dragons. Not to like direct you to another of our episodes, but you can get everything in this section and more from a single episode of our show about playing dragons. Not the reproduction part. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, that's sorry. That That is true from a different episode. <laughs> However, both of those episodes are free. <laughs> yeah. I, I Although mean, if you want to pay $45 for any one of our episodes, let us know. Uh, yeah, you're getting ripped off. <laughs> <laughs> in aggregate maybe um yeah i mean it's it's the same archetype that they give for everything which is that you get a table for appearance for mannerisms for bonds flaws names all that stuff um you know there's a, a brief bit about customizing abilities which is basically just swapping or stealing stuff from other creatures which is you know thanks for giving me permission to do what you've given me permission to do three times well one one thing i do want to say about this is I am glad that they gave permission because I think for a long time, you know, people have actually asked us like, oh, how do I customize this creature? Like, how does this affect the CR or whatever? And we're like, it doesn't <laughs> like at these levels that doesn't affect the CR. So like, right. just do it. It's fine. Give it flyby attack. D don't worry if this thing can hover, put some spells on your dragon. It does not matter. And this is like, yeah, you're right. It doesn't, it doesn't matter. Just like steal some spells and then later it's like oh and give your dragon some some uh layer actions that might increase cr by one uh add some regional effects give give the wormling layer actions who cares you yeah. know and <laughs> <laughs> I, i'm glad it spells it out because so you so you can point to people and be like look it's cool if this happens yeah okay yeah that's fair uh that, that that's very unique to us though yeah. um then, then it also gives goals and personality quirks or traits um, for dragons based on their age category. Um, it's one of those things where like, you then have to map that against the type of dragon you're talking about too. So they're not really specific enough to be like a one-stop shop, but they're also like, you know, slightly more specific than I guess you would come up with on your own. Um, it's, it's okay. It does come with, uh, one of the most adorable, uh, another of the most adorable pieces of art in this book, which is the blue dragon wormling on page 35. Um, <laughs> it is very cute. I don't like the other art, I think by the same artist of the blue dragons, but the wormling very, very good. Looks like a lost kitten. Yeah, it is. It is adorable. All like, it's got horns, but it's all rounded. It's cute. Yeah. Then there's a reproduction section that covers sexual and many, many, many non-sexual methods of dragon procreation. It's two pages. Well, what, what I mean is many different methods. It doesn't go into detail on any of them. <laughs> no, no, no. But I mean, like, who needed two pages on this? <laughs> <laughs> of, like, how to make sure your dragons don't do it. <laughs> it's like... <laughs> Y'all are too horny. Like, <laughs> calm down. No other, like, theme book needed to explain freaking two pages of Reaper. Fine. All right, um, fine. There's Whatever. half dragons. Uh, well, no, there aren't half dragons. It says, and also half dragons are a thing that happens, and that can also happen asexually. Yeah. Do you want rules for it? Get bent. <laughs> uh, there's a bit on death. There's a death throws table, like things that could happen when the dragon finally dies. Although, interestingly, it calls out if 
the thing you roll would kill the people who killed the dragon, pick something else. And I'm like, but then what's the point of death throws? <laughs> and it does. Yeah, it does kind of strike me. Uh, you know, it's the risk. Like, then then it's just then it's just something I narrate. Right? <laughs> Here's a cool thing that happened that causes sparkly light and no damage. Right. Um, it talks about what happens to regional effects when a dragon dies and then how a dragon might imbue an object or a person or people with some of its power. Then there is a section on undead dragons, uh, you know, Draco liches and the sort. And then um... then it talks about echoes like, and it lays out the sort of this multiversal theory of how dragons all have different versions of themselves elsewhere. And eventually you can develop dragon sight to the point where you can communicate with other versions of yourself and like maybe it'll be antagonistic and you'll consume them and gain their power and maybe you'll cooperate and work towards like one end and eventually become combined into a gestalt entity called a great worm which we get stats for later uh, i do like that there's a whole section on uh dragon uh gods and it's just like dragons aren't religious they think that's dumb <laughs> <laughs> okay then there's uh, a, a short bit about shape-shifting and then on to uh, dragon organizations. If it seems like we're sort of rushing through this part, it's because there isn't any, like, there, there. It's all just sort of like, here's some things that you might want to know about. Like, consider that a dragon might want to live forever. You know, like, that's the undeath section, basically. Uh, the organizations there, I think the four organizations listed, there's a short summary and adventure hooks for each. It does include the Cult of the Dragon. Interesting. It includes the Chamber from Eberron, which I like hey. a whole lot. Yeah, right. Like, hey, I see you. And then I did love this part. Under the Chamber section from Eberron, it, it has this intriguing idea that the prophecy, the Draconic prophecy in Eberron, also accounts for and works through a dragon's echoes so that the prophecy affects every world in the material plane. It's not just an Eberronian prophecy. Love it. Love that for... Everyone, Eberron, master of the universe. <laughs> it also, this book also does call, call out that Eberron is like one of those strange worlds that was not splintered off from the first world. Uh huh. Yeah. <laughs> because it has a myth that we kept intact for our marketing. <laughs> also, it was a good myth that already had dragons, and I don't know why we just didn't use that one for everyone. <laughs> right. <laughs> All right. Next section is on followers. You just get a bunch of adventure hooks. There aren't really any stats. Uh, there is a cool little little teeny weeny table on extra abilities you can append onto a dragon minion, like exploding when they die or like leaping in front of an attack to protect your master. <laughs> uh, yeah. Which is like what I would make my minions do were I a dragon. Uh, the next section is dragon encounters. So... Uh... I, I do think, like, it, it asks some kind of basic questions about the encounter. But the first one is, I think, I, I think a very important, like, clarifier for dragons is, is the encounter a goal or an obstacle? Uh, there's very little text following that. But I think that is important, right? Like, I think that does touch on something about dragons, which is that, like, they're on the title of the game. Like... Are you there to fight this dragon? <laughs> like, or are you there because meeting the dragon is the goal, right? Like, is the dream of encountering the dragon the realization, or is it the chance of overcoming the dragon is the realization? 
Yeah. Like the, yeah, these sort of like PBTA style questions are the only part you really need from this section. Then it's what is the goal of the encounter? Like what are you supposed to do with this dragon? Does it because mostly the dragon can just murder all of you. Right. Is that what's supposed to happen? <laughs> and if right. not, then like what else is supposed to happen and how do you build toward that goal? Um, is it in the dragon's lair? That is very important. <laughs> yeah, but also, <laughs> you know, pretty implied by the stat sheet. <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah, I mean, you're not wrong. Did that need to be asked? And then is the dragon alone or accompanied by minions? And, you know, the answer should pretty much always be like, no, there's other stuff. Uh, then there is a table of dragon encounter complications. Um, it's a big, long table. It's a long table. I don't know. They're fine. I read through a handful of them. I, I don't mind them. So that's the thing that I keep coming back to with all all of the tables in this book. There are so many tables in this book. Like In and of themselves, they're pretty good tables. I like them. They're really flavorful. There are lots of ideas that I wouldn't necessarily come up with on my own. But I don't know that I needed 50 pages of this book to be tables, random tables. Yeah, then there's a section on dragon adventures. Um, and similarly to the previous section, there are a few questions to think about. Like, are you using a dragon as a monster? And if you are, then what is the goal there? Is it kill the monster? Is it take the take the money and run? Um, is it take the location and and hold? Which I think is probably something that doesn't usually come up. And then dragon campaigns, ideas for events that normally show up in campaigns but could now involve a dragon um ideas for different factions that involve dragons and then uh what it might be like if a dragon were to style itself as a god i don't know i mean i'll summarize all this stuff as it's like 50 pages but all of it is too well no th this isn't 50 pages this takes us through 60 pages i guess so all of this up to this point is 60 pages uh all of this is really good and interesting stuff that belongs in a splat book that is dedicated to it uh, and should be on its own a good hundred or so pages. Um, it doesn't fit in a dozen pages because it's too cursory, too high level, like too inactionable. It's just not enough supporting material for the good idea that's on the surface. All it is is surface. Yeah. So you both feel like it is not enough information and you're wanting more and that it's a waste of space. Because something else could have gone in a book that is 224 pages. So chapter four. <sighs> Layers and hordes. Uh, th there's a little more crunch here. Things you couldn't make up on your own or like consider if you, you know, thought for half a second about what it might like be like to be a dragon. Uh, it starts off with layers, different kinds of regional effects you might encounter. Terrain, weather, water, creatures in the area, planar connections, what is magic like. And then it just goes right ahead and says... Uh, give your dragons lair actions. And then there are additional options for lair actions, yep. um, which I was happy to see. And you can use them for any dragon. Uh, this one, one of which is recharge your breath weapon. This one got a sidebar. So I'm happy to see that because it is actually a useful sidebar. <laughs> it proves that they can do sidebars. Right. Yeah, I, I like this section. I mean, this is the type of stuff where it's like, yes, if you were you know creative on your own, you could absolutely come up with all these things. But like, also, now you don't have to be. Like, part of this is it's a useful reference. Hey, I need to figure out what happens for this, right? My my layer is here. How does that change things? Cool, I can just look it up. I, I Like, that is exactly what I would want in a reference book like this. Yeah, and it, it can be used effectively by anyone who uses any kind of dragon in a game, which is, I think, every GM. Right, so 
this is great. This section, that works for me. Next is dragon hordes. It gives actual gold values for how much a, a dragon should have in its horde based on age category. So, you know, I thought that was okay. That was cool. <laughs> yeah. Did you blow up your economy? Sure. But yeah, it's great. <laughs> we got numbers. You wanted numbers? We got numbers. I was surprised at how small the numbers are, actually. <laughs> they're, they're, yeah, actually. <laughs> Look, dr- dragons are on hard times. It's a rough economy. It's, it's, we're in a downturn. <laughs> uh, and then it introduces this this concept that there is magic tied to the horde. Like the horde itself now begins to emanate magic and contribute to the dragon's power. And because of that, dragons have multiple hordes. And they place those multiple hordes in strategic locations to expand their influence and regional effects and lair effects and all of that. Is this a net new idea? I've never heard of this before. I haven't either. I mean, it's not new to think like, oh, a thing that goes in a dragon horde would be magic, right? But like, you know, Smaug had, I think, honestly, more gold under that mountain than has ever been mined in the history of mankind. Right. Uh, but like it didn't emanate any magic or anything. So like this is this is the first I'm hearing of it. I, I certainly can't say it didn't appear in a 3.5 splat book. I mean, everything did. It, it's just it's interesting because so much of this book, I mean, not so much. Honestly, it's like nine pages. Right. But focus wise, like it's a lot of strange focus on the horde itself is magic, which is just a concept that I didn't associate with dragons. Like you said, right. Magic is in the horde. The horde itself is not magical. It's interesting that you mentioned that because like the next section is on how to plunder a horde and then talks about curses. And I was like, this feels a lot more like mummies to me. Right. You know, like pharaohs. <laughs> this is, yeah, this is dragons. This, exactly. Like this is like, you know, this is why you don't go grave robbing. <laughs> yeah. Right. Like the, the mummy's curse. You're right. That's exactly what it reminded me of. And you just you know, hit the nail on the head for that for me. So I don't know. It was a weird thing. I don't know where that came from. I think this is a too many cooks situation that somebody thought this was cool. And then they leaned a little too hard. Mm. Um, we get a couple pages on tables for how to create a horde. Now the DMG has guidelines for creating a horde already. And those apply to any creature that would have a horde. So you can just do it for a dragon. Um, this though, sort of recasts it a bit and makes it very dragon specific. I'm, fine with that um there's a lot of information here on like you know interesting mundane items that might be in a dragon's horde yeah and there's some you know i it's tables and math and it's fine like it it's not stuff that i care about but like if you're gonna throw a page or two away on it like those are those comforting tables that you expect to see in rpg books that you just don't see anymore so i'm good with it yeah, and you can have that table moment where, like, you defeated the dragon, right? So now the GM opens to this page right in front of all of you and is like, hey, we're going to roll the horde. Right. You know? <laughs> or maybe, like, you're going to roll the horde. Whatever. Exactly. <laughs> Let's find out how many gems are in this horde. Roll D100. <laughs> and, like, those are the moments where you're like, oh, man, yeah, I want to know. Are they, like, opals or amethyst? Like, do we have any, like, rubies in there? You know? Like. This don't matter because they all get converted to gold, but like in that moment, it totally matters. Shut up, nerd. Just roll, roll, uh, roll table C. <laughs> okay. And then we have chapter five, the Draconomicon, which if that name sounds familiar, of course it used to be its own book and it should be its own book, <laughs> but it's not. Um, it's not. Yeah. 
It's, it is detailed entries on 20 different types of dragons. Uh, that of course means the five chromatic, metallic, and gem dragons, and then extras thrown in. I like some of the extras thrown in. Fairy dragons, uh, moon, stone, I think, dragons, um, shadow dragons, stuff like that. Uh, dragon turtle, the best of, turtle, the yeah. of the aquatic dragons, gets short shrift because a lot of these have a map of their uh, of their lair, and the dragon turtle doesn't get one. So yeah. what gives? No, why, why you got a short? Why you got a short, my boys? <laughs> no lair for the fairy dragon, which I think is a would have been a prime opportunity to be like, this is a lair hidden inside a cobbler's workbench. You know. Right. <laughs> I mean, look, we've all seen Tinkerbell's little thing in Hook, okay? it's That's a fairy dragon's lair. Yeah. So you get tables for personality, ideals, uh, maybe some spells, depending on the kind of dragon. There are tables for adventure hooks. And then the thing I like least about the section is every single dragon gets like an entire page on connections to other creatures. I, I don't dislike that information i just don't like that literally 20 pages of this book is random tables for who does this dragon know <laughs> okay now yeah i i wasn't quite sure where you were going with why you didn't <laughs> like it because i did like it but i understand that i think it could have been one page right right yes uh I... and maybe, maybe like broken down by age category yeah i i don't know there is <laughs> So I I'm, I am a little bit torn because like keeping in mind that there is a lot of overhead that comes along with like what environments does a given dragon live in and what elements does that dragon associate with and blah blah and like what do they typify and are they chaotic or are they lawful and blah 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 right where it's like okay so it does make sense like the black dragon like could associate with troglodytes it would not make sense for a blue dragon because there are no troglodytes on cold like, snowy ass mountains wouldn't there this wouldn't this be an awesome opportunity for like a really cool looking multicolored table where it's like troglodytes black dragons green dragons and like some other one you know okay all right yeah yeah i guess i guess if you get creative with the layout we could get a, a more efficient table that would be very cool and i'm always about efficient tables that look cool so you've sold me all right and you know like i do love these layer maps you know and i think this is probably one of the things where you're going to get more use out of it if you have D&D Beyond because then like you have the digital version of the map and you can like send those to players and all that kind of stuff rather than like trying to Xerox this thing. Um, but we know that they have people who can do great layout. So, you know, give me my multi-use table. <laughs> also, I just realized blue dragons are like desert dragons, aren't they? Oh, yeah, yeah, you're right. Which is weird, but yeah, you're totally. Yeah, it's white dragons are the are the ice dragons. Uh, ice dragons, yeah, and silver. Yeah, that makes more sense. Yeah, and I also just, crystal. Apparently, I just remember that blue wasn't water, <laughs> <laughs> but it is lightning. Right. Uh, all right. So, like we said, um, most of these are going to get a map of a layer and then an explanation of the different parts of the layer and you know a bit of information on how to use it. Um, and then it'll talk about the kind of treasures that they keep. And then some of them, if you're lucky, will get additional layer actions. I am like, with you. This should have been the book. Yeah, yeah. This this is the book. Like, this this is what you want. They could have expanded each of these a little bit, um, you know, given it a little more time to breathe, gotten rid of the whole front section. And, like, this is the book. Like, Draconomicon, that's a good book. That Just give me that book. I agree. And I, I felt like... Even this section, right? Like each drag, each kind of dragon gets like three to five pages. 
And that felt like short shrift to me. Like I wanted to be like, great. Tell me about crystal dragons. Like tell me all about crystal dragons. Yeah. And then it was like, oh, that's in the, that's in the monster stat book in the bestiary. Yeah. It's, it's weird that like a 75 page section feels too short, but Mm -hmm. I think given how cursory everything leading up to it is, it, it really does. Like it just, it's the first time we have great substance and like, I want more. I, right. I right. just want more. I just don't want the other crap that I just read. Mm-hmm. I did like the tiny sidebars each um, entry has about a particularly f- a particular famous dragon of that type in uh, novels or fiction. And then we have the aforementioned bestiary, which has been referenced many times in previous sections of this book. It's like, oh, go look at this in chapter six. And it's like, but why don't you tell me now? <laughs> Uh, we won't go through everything here, but actually there are a lot of monsters to call out here. Um, we get the gem dragons and I personally really like the gem dragons as a whole because they fix a lot of the problems that I have with monster manual dragons. They get innate psionics. So like automatically all of them are spellcasters. They all get at will teleport. Like they are more than just a big bag of hit points with pointy claws that is just going to claw claw bite you until you die. Um, they have a huge theme around fighting the far realm. Yeah, like because uh, like, crystals. Yeah, so like all the gem dragons are like the you know subterranean dragons, and they are they are str- I, like I guess it makes sense, but I didn't really ever think of it this way because uh, I've spent zero time thinking about gem dragons. But like <laughs> aberrations are like their thing, <laughs> right? And so like there's a lot around gem dragons that is just how do they deal with aberrations and how is it killing them? So they're all telepathic. Um, so of the types, there's the amethyst dragon. They're the strongest of the gem dragons. They're scholars who seek knowledge to fight the far realm. Um, they have gravity breath. It does force damage, which is great um, and can knock people to the to the ground. Uh, <laughs> Seems dangerous a, in underground caverns. Yeah, yeah. Well, okay. Here's so now. Here's a pet peeve of mine. The next one are crystal dragons. Amethysts are crystals. <laughs> uh-huh i know <laughs> it's there's, like, there's some there's some taxonomy <laughs> errors here but that's okay they're uh they're rpg writers not geologists right right uh crystal dragons are like filled with positive energy and also they seem to be they, they seem to veer more toward good ish even though like all gem dragons are supposed to be neutral right uh they have radiant breath then the emerald dragons use illusions uh they have like a disorienting psychic breath uh, they're shy dragons. Yeah, yeah. Uh, as opposed to these sapphire dragons who militantly hunt down aberrations and eat giant spiders for breakfast. They also have, like, one of my favorite pieces of art in this book. <laughs> um, it's on page 215, and uh, it is this, like, oh, yeah, weirdly yeah. skinny dragon. <laughs> like Sometimes, like, dragons, they get a little too, like like rotund in the belly you know and they uh-huh. i feel like they look kind of goofy this thing looks like a cat on the prowl like this is this is the body of a of a like of a panther right it's, it's and then it has speed. like yeah exactly like these glowing wings and it's perfectly smooth um and then also all of these all the gem dragons have these like like the tips of their like spines are like broken off and floating because they're maintained by psychic energy like 
so they're i don't know they're it's cool i just i it's really cool. like this yeah it looks like blown glass it, lo- it looks like it you does should, you should be able to it's a bubbler you know it is yeah it is <laughs> i don't know i think it's cool like i it just that art stood out i i like it so the sapphire dragons also can spider climb and burrow they have an incapacitation breath weapon they can cast hold monster and teleport like they're beasts then the topaz dragon who i think we independently and jointly came to be our new favorite dragon <laughs> absolutely they are morbid um canonically they have junk in the trunk they're they're the emo dragons (laughs) yeah they're like they're eeyore dragons they're obsessed with entropy and decay okay my favorite tidbit about them was like they're fascinated by undeath and sometimes they just collect undead and like stick it in their horde because like it's not gonna go bad but it also like can't do anything to them you know So I love that, like, you're fighting this topaz dragon and, like, out of the horde comes, like, some shambling undead. And it's like, oh, yeah, I, I got the whole set. Right. <laughs> <laughs> they, like, they have a chess set made of, like, skeletons and zombies. <laughs> <laughs> These things keep breaking. The thing is, they can't do much to undead either, though, because a lot of those low-level undead have, like, resistance to necrotic and topaz dragons have necrotic breath. So, yeah. oops. Uh-huh. It's just, it, we're at a detente. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Thanks for noticing me. <laughs> uh all right so there's animated breath uh which a chromatic dragon sort of breathes into existence it's an elemental that's the only interesting thing about it it's a cr6 elemental you can use for summoning then there is the aspect of bahamut and the aspect of tiamat which are the third and fourth cr30 creatures in 5e yeah they're they're like it's basically like we're not statting a god so here is the closest thing to that god that you can fight so the aspect of Bahamut has good saves. Uh, it's got a bunch of immunities. It's got mythic actions if you put it down for the first time. It can put out a lot of damage. It can mass heal and resurrect with its 300-foot cone breath weapon. But, like, it's underpowered. It has no hacks. Like, if you compare this to the gem dragons, the gem dragons can teleport and, like, get out of a grapple. This thing doesn't have athletics. I can build a rune knight, and it's just going to sit on it. <laughs> It's also going to be such a slog to fight because it has five legendary resistances that all come back once you trigger the mythic actions. Right. So, like, no thank you. Um, The aspect of Tiamat is just an alternate version of Bahamut. It's got a lot of the same problems, uh, and it has a bad int save. So, you know, clever players are going to target that. Yeah. (laughs) Six times they'll have to target that int save. (laughs) Six of them. Um, There are three different stat blocks for Great Worms, one for each of the different type of dragon. They're just a pumped up version of the Ancient Dragon stat block. They're, you know, they're like CR 26, 27. Um, Take all the numbers on the Ancient Dragon and like turn them up to 11. Yeah. So all the same problems that they have. Mm -hmm. So do Great Worms. It's just bigger numbers. Yeah. You get deep dragons, which are, you, you get the whole set of deep dragons. They're underdark dragons that inspire confusion and fear. Um, the ancient is CR 18, so like they're not particularly high level challenges. Uh, interesting, there were stats for draconians, um, which are monsters out of dragon lance. Uh, we get five stat blocks for them up to CR 6. Uh, I thought these were like the original half dragons or something, original dragonborn. Am I crazy here? You are not crazy. I think when Dragonborn first showed up, people were like, you mean Draconians? But like ah. Draconians are, are like canonically evil and like corrupted from metallic dragon eggs. Okay, gotcha. So I gather from internet research. Okay. <laughs> 
Um, I and I think these are in here because you know this is theoretically Dragonlance affiliated, and so here are your Draconians if you want to play your Dragonlance campaign. But yeah, you know this is pretty much all you get. Oh, right. and you get the Dragonlance. So, <laughs> so the, the the weapon. Oh, oh, is that an actual weapon? Yeah, yeah, like. It was Fizban who showed people how to make the Dragonlance. Oh, uh, okay. I, this is mm-hmm. I, obviously I saw there was Dragonlance in the book. I did not know that was a physical thing in Dragonlance. That's Great. the one. That's why they fought the War of the Lance. You see, it's, it's conservation of terms. Okay. Great. Yeah. Um, you get the Dragonel, which only stands out. It's a CR two with flyby attack, but it can be summoned with the Paladin's Find Greater Steed. So you get an additional option. Uh, we get Dragon Turtles. At all different age groups. Uh-huh. <laughs> Threw me a bone in the end. They get some mythic actions. Um, they get more movement options. Uh, they get some temp HP generation. Like if you want your dragon turtle fight to, to really go, as long as it's in the water, then it can. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, there's the elder brain dragon, which is, Gross. of course, the, the, the dragon that's been, you know, corrupted by uh by mind flayers so it has the elder brain parasite um and its breath weapon can turn its targets into mind flayers this, this thing is <laughs> terrifying and it's, and also gross but terrifying yeah um especially like i mean think about you know make this a gem dragon that was corrupted like ugh. right <laughs> um and then there's uh the eye drake which is honestly like <laughs> under cr'd for how cringe this is um, but it's it's a cr8 aberration that is created when a beholder has obsessive dreams about a dragon that it hates and uh the art of this is great i mean i, I love the art it is it's a lot of eyes they they basically they get the uh like they're a dragon but they have like the eye beam like abilities of uh of beholders I love that this is basically a callback to Volo's guide where we got, you know, a really nice beefy section on beholders and it introduced a new method of beholder uh, reproduction, which is beholders dream of themselves. And then that becomes reality. And then those beholders probably fight to the death. Yeah. But like, you know, let's take that little tidbit of other 5e lore and like just run with it. Yeah. I, this is like, to me, this is like peak old school RPG supplement fodder right like this thing didn't exist and someone was like give me some art make it crazy i'm gonna combine these two things together and we're gonna just freaking roll with it and i love that about like that's the devil may care attitude that wizards of the coast is missing in 2021 (laughs) it's gonna be weird but it's gonna work it's gonna work exactly and it's not gonna be racist thank god Uh, you got ghost dragons. They obviously got a bunch of immunities because they're undead and incorporeal, uh, but they do have a paralyzing breath. So, yay. Uh, the dragon is here, although it's called a lion drake. Um, this is really just for people who have dragons. Uh, it's one of the houses in Eberron. It's their, um, it's their animal. I think it might be Jurasco. I don't remember, but one of them. So now here's your stats. Uh, and then there are Moonstone Dragons, a dragon that I have spent zero time ever thinking about, but was again like very cool to see in this book. Uh, mm-hmm. They are the like Feywild storyteller drag- dragons. Um, uh, but they'll fuck you up. Uh, yeah, even Wormlings <laughs> have a 90 foot cone of sleep breath that lasts 10 minutes with no additional saves. So 
Good night, Irene. Yeah, if if everyone gets hit, I mean, that's over. That's a TPK, you know? (laughs) I mean, you're lucky that the lore says they'll probably just, you know, screw with you or maybe even help you, whatever. Right. (laughs) Uh, And then I'm I'm very happy that you included sea serpents in our our notes here because... uh, you have put mechanical things in here, but this is another one that stood out to me for how derpy the art looks. <laughs> <laughs> it looks like, I think, so the thing is like all of the art in the book has like some of those like sketches next to it. Right. And then it's like the rendered painted art uh, is sort of the focus. Um, so it, it continues that theme for those individuals. And like one of the sketches makes it look like, like a a predatory fish right that then has like big fins and is a dragon (laughs) the the actual painted art (laughs) looks like a moray eel with weird dragon fins that has leapt out of the water with this derpy open mouth it is the least intimidating thing i've ever seen if one of those came after my ship i would be like who are you get out of here I'm not I, losing my ship to you, sea serpent. <laughs> like, get wrecked. I I do think it's interesting. I mean, it's an interesting choice to put this in a dragon book because I don't really know anyone who associates sea serpents and dragons. Like, Nessie's <sighs> not a dragon, right? Right. But they gave yeah. it a breath weapon. Uh, and it is a dragon so, type. <laughs> it's So they decided, like... It's gonna if it's gonna be a dragon, it has to have a breath weapon. Like we gave the monk a monk a breath weapon. Like yeah, the sea serpent has to. As you know, sea serpents uh, echo through the multiverse. <laughs> <laughs> They're on all those maps, Ishan. <laughs> right, it's Terra Incognita over here. And here, then, here be dragons, but in the water, right? Oh, right. Oh, they meant they meant sea serpents oh, so, or dragon turtles. And then, like, combine that with the absolute dull note that Fizban has, Fizban has left on the page, which is that they drive themselves through the hulls of ship to molt, right? So, like, these are dragons that have 13 intelligence, right? Like, so these are, yeah, the dumbest ancient dragons, but also still above human average. And, like, mm-hmm. they attack ships to molt? Are you kidding me? <laughs> like... Um, I also did notice they they have siege monster. They deal double damage to objects, which any sea monster that could attack a ship needs to have this ability. But also, mm-hmm. like all dragons should just have this ability. I yeah, you know, I kind of agree. Yeah. Uh, well, except fairy dragons, too cute. No, that would be amazing if fairy <laughs> dragons were siege monsters. <laughs> they will destroy that cuckoo clock. <laughs> Don't even come at me with that birdcage. All right, so I think that's all the monsters we want to call out. Um, there is no index, per usual. Uh, there is a page that lists the creatures that you have stat blocks for by challenge rating and by type of monster, which is helpful. Yeah. All right, so let's talk about... We talked a little bit already, but let's talk about the art in general throughout the book. Uh, overall, I'm pretty happy with it, but like, it's kind of mm-hmm. hard to screw up dragons to me. Like, yeah. you just they're just cool subject matter, um, and therefore, like, the art tends to be pretty cool. They really a, a lot of the good art in here has really leaned into like the feline dragon mm-hmm. kind of like concept, right? Like, they're live, they're like muscular, they're they're poised like cats on the prowl, which I, I feel like is a very like good art direction. Um, but then you know, like you think we've talked about, there are some real real misses 
mostly the the art I like the least in this book is the Fizban art because he's always he usually looks like one of those old school like early 80s archmages who like you know doesn't know what he's doing and like looks totally out of place like looks like he belongs in the SCA he looks like Ed Greenwood <laughs> yeah <laughs> not a compliment <laughs> Um, and like after a while, you know, you're like, oh, another dragon pose. Like I've seen this dragon pose before, you know, but that's only really because the whole thing is dragons. Like for the most part, I think the art is very good. Yeah. 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 There's also um, the other one that stood out for me is in the dragon. Actually, the whole dragonborn section, I think, is actually really cool. Like dragonborn also have some pretty. <laughs> You've uh, never said that before. <laughs> Yeah, they're pretty lousy art a lot of times, but the there's a there's the one of the three um gem dragonborn like sitting mm -hmm. around a fire. Like yeah. I like I like those. Um you know, they have that similar kind of blown glass kind of look to them. And then the next page has the copper dragonborn who looks absolutely rad. Um this is the this is the dragonborn that I will play. <laughs> like <laughs> sign me up to be that guy. That guy is dope. It hurts my eyes a little bit, but I like it. I just I love everything about that color scheme is so garish. It's like copper and green. I'm <laughs> freaking here for it. All right. So we've come to finally that part of this review. Um, buy or don't buy. Um, but before but before we like say what we should do, let I think there are a couple things that we should talk about here, which is like, first off, I don't understand who this book is for. Like I was super excited hearing that this book was going to exist because I am like your target demographic for books about dragons. Mm -hmm. Give me, give me the Dragonomicon. I want like all the lore about the dragon. I, as some listeners and, and people on our discord know, I'm like looking at a council of worms game in 5e. So like I wanted information to help me do that. And this did none of that. And like, if you can't sell me a dragon book, who are you selling a dragon book to? I, yeah, it ain't to players because there's like nine pages of player content. It's pretty grim. I th think one thing that gets to me is like even the even the player content, right? Like even if you want the the Dragonborn stuff, the monk stuff, the ranger stuff, um, but even just a lot of other like the aspect of freaking Bahamut and and Tiamat is that it feels like sometimes in fifth edition there's a worry that the very popular choice will be too popular if it is too powerful. And so instead they say, okay, everyone will play Dragonborn if they're good. We got to make them bad so that they can compete, you know? And, and now it just ends up that no one wants to play them because they're awful. Yeah. Thanks for all those tiefling warlocks. That was a good choice. <laughs> to totally worked. So, yeah, I just feel like there's a tendency to to nerf stuff that would otherwise be really cool. And the the feeling is maybe that its coolness is supposed to carry it anyway. But, like, it doesn't feel good to play something that's bad. You're talking specifically about the player options here, and I, I agree with you. Like, I mean, even they're... some of the monsters. Even some of the monsters. Well, that's my bigger complaint, is, like, at this point, you're seven years into this edition. Like, the problem is solved. You know, like, yeah. there's too many bags of hit points here. 
Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. Like there's not that enough should, that shouldn't new be mechanics. There's not enough new mechanics. There's not enough interesting mechanics. Like there's cool themes. Like I'm I'm happy to read about these dragons. I'm happy they exist, but like their stat blocks are like the least cool thing about them. And it's like, what are you holding back for? Right? Like, who cares? The game is solved. And the solution is just do a ton of damage because no abilities matter, right? Or alternatively, like, attack their weakest stat and burn through their legendary resistances and then CC them and murder them. Like, that's the whole game. Like, give me something that makes it interesting on the way, please. That isn't five freaking resistances. Right, like, point your high intelligence wizard at the problem and you know if they can solve it with six spells which is six walls of force making a box and now the aspect of freaking bahamut can't do anything because <laughs> it has literally no way out of that box then they, <laughs> like that's not a good monster yeah it's yeah I, so i'm i'm with you on that like i i am i am by far more ex- excited about the roster and the description of the monsters in here because i do think like that's the thing that sucks about about criticizing it in this way is like i'm really excited about the list right i really enjoyed looking at them and reading them like i really enjoyed some of the creativity that went into making them right and how they how they drew gem dragons distinct from each other like i think that's really clever right um but yeah like I think what really gets to me is this shows that they can make good stat blocks. The gem dragons have good stat blocks. Right. <laughs> so just make them all good stat blocks. Right. Yeah. Uh I I so I think that kind of leads into my overall like feeling about this book, which is that there are too many cooks in the kitchen. Um it's great that they're hiring more people and getting more like diverse points of view. Um, certainly they have granted it's a book about dragons. So it would be really weird if they did run into any of these things, but like, obviously they don't have all the cultural baggage, right? Like they didn't do Eastern dragons. I'm I guess I'm glad we're not seeing like, Oh, lung dragons are only in the far mysterious East, which is a thing they would have done 10 years yes, ago, which they absolutely have done. Yes. Many times yeah. before. So, you know, like, so there's stuff like that. Great. But also like, man, sometimes you got to get somebody who has a really freaking good idea to just write the really freaking good idea and just get people to help them instead of like, hey, what part of this do you want to write? Okay, cool. We'll throw it in because that's what this book feels like, like a collection of ideas that are loosely themed around dragons, the really good Draconomicon, and then a bunch of stat blocks by a bunch of different people who didn't, I don't know, phoned it in or just didn't like bother to do interesting things i i don't know i don't know it's it's don't buy this book don't just don't buy this book like i'm sorry it's the first D &D book you can skip it's just like especially if you're a player if you're a player 100 do not buy this book like if you're a gm you gotta love dragons i mean if you want the if if you want the drake warden but honestly like there are already fixes to the beastmaster and you can just make it a drake yeah or buy the drake warden on D&D beyond like yeah like do not buy this book uh do not pay 45 dollars for player content because it it, it's basically none all right so that's a no from shane um i mean i've basically given it away like i i would not buy this book i'm i'm struggling to think like who should buy this book Uh, if you're a completist obviously get the book because you're gonna anyway um if you if you were gonna run a dragon heavy 
game and like a sort of like a standard dragon heavy game where like dragons figure very prominently but they are in sort of like the normal kind of dragon right like not pc dragons or anything like that then this would be useful and the stat blocks in here a lot of the stat blocks in here are better than the um monster manual stat blocks for dragons so like if you really need them that's it but if you are if you just need the lore go get an old draconomicon from a previous edition <sighs> yeah i guess <sighs> i'm trying to so I'm, I'm trying to take the opposite version of that question which is like <laughs> buy this book if <laughs> right and like I don't, I don't know if you truly like, we have the advantage of having additions upon additions of like institutional D and D knowledge, right? Like, is this maybe useful for somebody who doesn't have that, who doesn't really know the history of D and D dragons, who doesn't like instantly associate all those things together and like maybe has the monster manual, but doesn't have all the depth of the chromatic and metallic and, and certainly like things like gem dragons and, and all the other like permutations, like, is that like is this does this help that person who who doesn't know what dragon game they want to run but knows dragons are cool and wants to use them i mean i would not want to saddle that player with all of this like elegy for the first world dragon site multiversal echo nonsense that no one else that they meet is going to know what they're talking about and then it's just going to be their favorite thing for the next like 30 years of D&D. &D, and they're always going to be like, what about multiversal echoes? And everyone will look at them like they're a moron. <laughs> like, you know, the people who the expanded Sonic's handbook is their favorite thing ever. Sorry. <laughs> Those people should be bullied. <laughs> I don't I don't know that echoes echoes through the multiverse is quite that bad. <laughs> as Sionic's handbook, but it's, uh, islands in the stream. Right? Oh, yeah. Uh, okay. I, yeah. All right. Fair. I mean, I don't know. I like, I said, I mean, no I'm not going to be mad at you if you buy this book. Yeah. I guess, I guess that's where I'm at too. Is like, I, I said no, but I'm a less emphatic no, I guess, than I, maybe I've let on. Cause like, I, you know, I wouldn't, yeah, again, I wouldn't recommend this, but I also wouldn't be upset if people went out and bought it. Like, yeah. there's nothing in this that's bad. It's just not a good book. I mean, the, the Ascendant Monk is bad. <laughs> Well, no, yeah, no, 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 sorry. I mean, like, <laughs> nothing in there is, like, harmful bad. Nothing is right, going to yeah. ruin your game bad. None of right. it is, like, you know, culturally <laughs> insensitive and bad. Like, right. and, it's, it's and, just run-of-the-mill generic. Right, it's, like, boring or not that useful. I will say, like, looking through the stat blocks, I didn't see anything immediately, like, the, the star spawn mangler or whatever it is that has, like, five, uh, full, five attacks at... Uh, like CR5, which will absolutely destroy any character you send it at of appropriate level. Well, I mean, they have Mind Flare Breath Ethan. I mean, come on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but like CR18 and like it has an Elder Brand at its back, you would figure you would know what you're doing. <laughs> I, I mean, honestly, like it sounds like on the surface, that sounds ridiculous. That's probably actually the best ability in this book in the sense that it's freaking wild mm -hmm. and like cool. At least you gave me something that is freaking wild that I can hang my hat on and say like we're doing it like we're right. freaking how often, gaming how often now can you be like all seven of you roll versus ceramorphosis right. exactly <laughs> like you know is it balance i don't know you're cr18 if you can't figure it out like i don't know what to tell you man you know well, it's is, like this is how i got it i got you into our evil campaign 
Right. Better than a bag of hit points. You know, that's all I can. So that's what it comes down to for me is especially when we talk about the aspects. It's like you're a CR 30 bag of hit points. Like what, what are we doing here? Um, so yeah, I don't know. A very, a very mixed no for me. I keep talking myself more and more (laughs) into things. Just (laughs) let's get out of here. If you have this at your table, I'll leaf through it and I won't yell at you. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) I'll crib some notes. Okay. Do you hear that, Ishan? Uh, It's the uh, very cynical muttering of a topaz dragon. And man, we're going to have some fun. I mean, we won't have fun talking, but like it'll be a wacky time. Oh, there's... Uh, go ahead, Patreon Patreon supporters. Go ahead and plan on some Topaz Dragon themed uh, plot hooks coming up in the next month or so. Like, there, there's no way we're not going to touch Topaz Dragons at some point here with the, this bonus content. Which, which is timely because uh, why don't we talk about how our listeners can get in contact with us? We do love hearing from you. You can tweet at Shane at Mundangerous. That's M U N Dangerous. And you can tweet at Ishan at Evil Sense Carne. That's Malice minus Meat. And you can tweet at the show at TPTCast. You can also email us at TotalPartyThrill at gmail.com. And you can find us on the web at www.TotalPartyThrill.com. We're also on Facebook and Instagram at TotalPartyThrill. And join the conversation on Discord. There's a link in the show notes. And as mentioned before, before we wrap up, we want to take a moment and thank all of our Patreon supporters. Yes, your support is what makes it possible for us to keep doing this show every single week. And supporters of any level get access to our Plot Hook of the Week bonus content. So if you'd like to learn more, you can check out all of our rewards at patreon.com slash totalpartythrill. So what do we have planned for next week's episode? We are talking about Focus Fire. And in the Character Creation Forge, we're building Fire in the Hole. Well, that's it for episode 290 of Total Party Thrill. I hope we lived up to our name, but either way, I'm Shane. And I'm Ishan. Thanks for listening.